Hello there, my name is Maureen with my co-host Corey. We are The Real Guys and this is The Real Show with two ears. This particular episode, we are going to follow up on a recent release blockbuster film by taking it all the way back to its first iteration. That's right, the first film in this popular film series. But as always, I'm putting my co-host Corey. How are you doing today, Corey? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good, it's good to see you. It's good to hear you today. So, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be reviewing the first Jurassic Park, 1993. Correct. That's right. In response to the release of Jurassic World Dominion, the sixth film in the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World series, released here in the UK on the 10th of June, 2022. So, not far away, not many days ago. No, exactly. But the first thing we're going to do is, you know, there's a tradition on the real show, is there not? Yes. I was trying... Kooky foods, kooky drinks. We've tried yogurt bars. Yep. We've tried sparkling lemon water. Correct. Today, Corey's journey to to Tesco's co-op. Other, uh, co-op. It was a co-op. Oh, sorry. Other, other, <laughs> Get it right. Um, other corner <laughs> retail uh, food shops are available. Yeah. Um, I swear you said Tesco's when we stood before we started. I might recording. have done, but it was co-op. Right. It was co-op. <laughs> and it's retrieved for us. Can you describe this to me, Corey? <clears throat> this is a ginger shot. A shot of ginger. It's a shot of ginger. Pure ginger in a drink. Yes. It's not harmful at all. It's yes. not like drinking bleach, is it? No. It's oh. a shot of ginger. Uh, we donate 1% of your sales to plant healthy air in UK cities. Wonderful. So, looking at it, it's... First of all, the first thing that hits you is it smells very strongly of ginger. Do you want me to give you the... Um, Go ahead. The uh, what, like added tagline, yes. I should call it. <clears throat> ginger is nature's star player. And this shot gives it to you raw. Raw. Press from fresh ginger root for when life calls for a caffeine-free kick. Get ready, it packs a fiery punch. Fiery. Shot straight or add water or smoothies. Right. We are taking this straight because... We're taking this straight because we're hard boys. It's the best way to do it. That's right. It's like, you want coffee? now? you want a shot of espresso. A shot of... This is the... Li- we're literally <laughs> taking a shot of ginger-flavoured yeah. espresso. Yes. Here. Well, we're taking half a shot each. We've, we split it in half. Right, yeah. We're taking half a shot each. Right. So, to describe... Let's describe it in colour, shall we? It's yeah. um, yellowish, creamy, yeah. yellow, um, very strong smelling of ginger. Right, let's not put it off any longer, Corey. This is revenge for you bringing in San Pellegrino last oh, time. Oh, that was good, though. That was uh, no, it was not. Good. Right, well, I'm going to hate this, I imagine. Exactly. Right, cheers. Right, down the whole thing, or...? Oh, I'm yeah, doing all of it. The whole thing. It's a shot, Murray. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big shot. It is a big shot. I've had shots that are very smaller than this. Yes, well. It's like we're having this in sort of blue plastic cups, and it's yes. at least a quarter of the cup. Yes. So, right, we're going to cheers again. Yep. And in three, two, one, down it. Ooh. Oh my god. Oh. Ah. My throat is on fire. Doesn't that give you full of life? That's like drinking. That's like <laughs> drinking medicine. <laughs> what medicine have you been having? Every breath is pain. <sighs> this is. I feel like I should have drank this. This is great. I can't talk. You've, I'm just, a... you've disabled my. How can you take that like it's nothing? I, I love that's great. That's fa- I love that. That's really good. Oh, that's awful. That's fantastic. That's horrible. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this, this was my plan all along. <laughs> it's now my show. 
I'm gonna take off. I'm gonna I'm gonna be killed by drinking this ginger shot. What's even better is I have another drink with me. You do not. I got water. Oh, there you go. Wash it down. Go on. That's quite nice. I quite like that. Okay, that's all right. That's quite like that. All right, now that's over with. That's like torture. I mean, no, but, 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 that's what you want. You want not that psycho can drink that. You want that fire in your throat to give you that oomph. I've not got an oomph. I've got an ah. I've got a. I've got pain. <laughs> I can still feel it at the back of my throat. Yeah, it's great. I can still feel the kickback. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got, to, I've got to take deep breaths here. Right. Okay. That was horrible. That's very right. nice. No, it wasn't quite. It wasn't nice at all. I condone it. Well, I don't condone it. If anything happens to me after this, you know it was the ginger <laughs> shot. I want to say on the record now that if anything happens to me after this recording, it was the ginger shot and it was Corey. If right? Murray is replaced next week. It was the ginger shot and it was Corey that did it to me. Okay. I drank it as well. I'm, I'll, I'll be fine. Are you sure? Show me your empty cup. Throw it away. Oh, you can't do that to me, Corey. It's in the bin behind me. You can't do that to me. You, you drank it as well. Yeah, it's great. Right, okay. Right. You say you got it from the drink section. I don't yes. want to be a, a drank like toilet cleaner. It was next to all the drinks and the Fantas and the Coca-Colas and the Huel. Oh, I can still smell it. And other various... Took mine away as well. You know, Yazoo's and milkshakes and... Took mine away. Goodness. All your other good stuff from your local shop. From your local co-op. Other shops are available. Yes. Yeah. I'm surprised by your reaction to it. I'm not. I've gone back to the water. Oh, I wish we had a face count because my face scrunched up like a lemon at that. That was really good. Oh, that was not good. That was bitter. That was bitter. I mean, it's raw ginger. I didn't describe the taste because I was too overwhelmed by it at the time. You see, well, you now might we're have... out of it a bit. I can sort of. You might have preferred it with water or in a smoothie. Yes, maybe. I would. Maybe I would have. Yes. So, we are going to be reviewing the uh, 1993 American science fiction action dinosaur film, wonder, wonderful film, The Jurassic Park. Correct. Everyone's seen it, everyone and their mum's seen it. I recently caught it on, uh, all the TV channels are available, on Sky Movies. They were doing a, a marathon of all the Jurassic Park films for Dominion, and I managed to catch it on there. Very nice. When did you uh, see it? Uh, well, so, last time I would have seen this film would have been... A couple of weeks back, I think maybe. Right. I've seen it this year. Yes. So at least in the last six months. Okay, great. Um, normally we watch films before we review them, but we had a slight communication breakdown earlier, yes. and it turns out I want to do this film and Corey wanted to do something else. We may come to what Corey wanted later uh, in the month, but for now it's Jurassic Park because Dominion just come out. We want to hit that high, Corey. Mm-hmm. Want to hit the high on the release of Dominion. You're looking forward to Dominion. You're gonna go and see it. I'm not gonna go see it. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. So, spoilers. I like Jurassic Park, but I'm not the biggest fan of it. Right. Okay. I like Jurassic Park, and I am a big fan of it. So, we're going to take on this. Now, this is, of course, based on the same novel by Michael Crichton from 1990. Yes. And Steven Spielberg anticipated this, and he was he jumped right on it. He said, "I want to make a film immediately of this." And Universal, um, in fact, paid him paid Michael Crichton two million dollars for the rights to novel before it was even published. That's decent. So they were right on it immediately. And of course, Michael Crichton created Westworld as well. Um, he, he's, he can create amazing He can create amazing worlds filled with um, 
filled with characters and filled with uh, iconography and stories and whatnot. I mean, um, I know he's not the greatest. He's not the greatest narrative mm-hmm. uh, creator in the world, obviously, because I think half of the Jurassic Park books is like a lot of computer diagrams. Have you? I'm going to hazard a guess. Like me, you haven't read the book. Oh, I have. Oh, you have? Yes. Oh, okay. I have not. Oh, okay. Well, it's very different. Okay. The book is very different to the to the film, actually. A lot of the fates of the characters change. Okay. Um, there's more. Uh, it's not more, the book's a lot more technical, I think, with the jargon of it all yeah. than how the film is. The film just does kind of gloss over it a bit. There's not many films, but I've actually read the book and watched the film at the same time. Really? Only one I can think of is I've read the Hobbit books. Yes, of uh, course. Well, Hobbit book before the Hobbit films came out. I did that as well because we, we all read the Hobbit books as kids, don't you? We all read I read it as a kid, but I didn't finish it as a kid. Right. I used to just pick a random page and read it. Okay. Um, and then I watched the. So what I wanted Probably to do was there, forgetting how books work. Yes. Well, I was. In, it's because we were forced to read in secondary school. So we weren't I, forced to read. You were. We were in English. We had to read for like ten minutes every Saturday single lesson. Well, read the Hobbit then. Read the book. No, I did, but I hated when reading. You read one page. What you do is, Corey, you turn the page over. No, but I. The, I, page, I, the narrative continues. No, you'll find but that I. I didn't. On. I didn't like reading. So I just pick a random page because I wasn't bothered with it. I hated reading. I was just bought the book because I like I like Lord of the Rings. Right. Okay. Um, and then I read the first Lord of the Rings book, but I'd already seen the film at that point. Okay. Well, this is obviously based on the book by Michael Crichton, yes. and it's the story of Isla Nublar, a uh, island off Costa Rica, where mm. wealthy billionaire InGen founder uh, John Hammond. Uh, brings uh, there's, a, there's been a death at the park. He creates a theme park, and there's been a one of the workers is killed by a velociraptor at the start. Yes, and then the park investors um, invite uh, Ian Malcolm, you know Alan Grant, Ellie Sattler, a group of premier uh, top minds in the fields of uh, paleontology, um, uh, psychology, and botany, botanist, botanism, botanist, being a botanist. Yeah, when you're, when you're good at plants, um, and you know, math- mathematician and uh, chaos theory proprietor Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum. Correct. And well, uh, Alan Grant is Sam Neill, and Ellie Sattler is uh, Laura Dern. Yes. Arrive with Donald Gennaro, who's the lawyer as well, who represents the investors. And he arrives to uh, help inspect the park. So it's, so, it's, so it's, you know, they get there, they get to sign off on the parks, uh, on the safety of the park, on the, on the, uh, on the accuracy of the park and whatnot. Yes. So... When they get there, they take a you know a tour to how the DNA works from the mosquitoes that would land in the tree sap and whatnot, and very active mosquitoes. There must have been a lot of dinosaurs <laughs> back then, um, not only from the Jurassic but from the Cretaceous as well. Okay. And actually, Michael Crichton was actually asked why is it called Jurassic Park? Yeah. When I think only one or two of the dinosaurs appear in the Jurassic, and there's the T-Rex, the Velociraptor, the Triceratops, all the big ones are all from the Cretaceous. Why isn't it called Cretaceous Park? I mean... And Michael Crichton admitted that it was just the best-looking design. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you go to a Ren Fair, they're not set in a Renaissance period, but they're called Ren Fair. Yeah, exactly. That's that, That's my version of, of yes, your yeah, argument. Of <laughs> Ren Fair! Da, da, yeah. da, da, da. Well, actually, it's not a Ren Fair. Yeah, it's, it's not, not a Ren Fair. So... Actually, you'll find that the uh, the Tyrannosaurus is from the Cretaceous period, not the Jurassic, so it's yes. called Cretaceous Park. Yes. You know. <laughs> but um, there was a lot of development in this film. This is one of the biggest films of the 1990s. Yes. And it's really up Because Steven Spielberg was an accomplished director. I'm working with Kathleen Kennedy, a really accomplished producer. And 
there was not only the story and the cast as well, but the development of the film. Um, Michael Crichton initially conceived a screenplay about a graduate student who recreates the dinosaur from the DNA and yep. whatnot. Um, but then he uh, sort of went with his fascination between cloning and um, sort of creating a uh, a genetic model of a dinosaur from that. Yeah. So, and then actually, what several screenplays, including a screenplay in October nineteen eighty nine, came around to become Jurassic Park. It was a really credible look at how dinosaurs, you know, might someday be brought back alongside modern mankind. You know, going beyond the simple sort of monster movie of the time, like a Godzilla or a or a, a King Kong, you know. I mean, it's it's something that I think people have also... Because I don't know how many times every single year I hear that humans can possibly now clone a mammoth. Or, or make a chicken into a dinosaur. Yeah, because I, I keep every single year I keep hearing that. Like, oh, we can now make, remake a mammoth, we're going to clone a mammoth or whatever. So to create the dinosaur, creating the attraction of the dinosaur, it's on a bit of a behind-the-scenes look. Go for it. Look. Uh, Spielberg and his thought of Bob Gurr, who was the mind behind the mechanical King Kong from Universal Studios Hollywood, the King Kong encounter. Makes sense. The, uh, the ride. Um, upon reflection, he thought that a life-size dinosaur would A, be too expensive, and B, not be not at all convincing. Okay. So instead he sought su- the best special effects supervisors in Hollywood. Yes. He brought in Stan Winston, a very famous uh, special effects creator. I know him from um, his amazing practical work and costumes and, and, and suits and animatronics uh, to create the animatronic dinosaurs. Uh, as well, he made the Velociraptor suits, like the yep. suits of the Velociraptor. Like there's a man in sort of hunched over that is activating the suit. You see it in the very famous kitchen scene where it pushes the door open and it stands up to full height in the doorway. That's one of the Stan Winston Velociraptor suits there. Yeah. Um, also, Phil Tippett, you will be known as, um, who is credited famously as Dinosaur Supervisor <laughs> in the credits. And there's a bit of an internet meme where Phil Tippett didn't do his job very correctly because the dinosaurs <laughs> were not supervised in the film. So. He originally created something called go motion dinosaurs, which is like stop motion. Yeah. Like claymation models that would move on a track and whatnot. Okay, it's um, an interesting concept. For long shots, yeah. And this thing made for long shots. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you wouldn't want it close ups. Well, yeah, yeah, well, here's the thing about that. Um, they based them on sort of bird movements. Okay. Very little in common with lizards. And and that initially prompted the removal of sort of the velociraptors who had sort of flicking tongs in early animatics. Yeah. They removed them because they weren't like snakes. Um, as famous paleontologist Jack Horner, who has sort of become the bane of the paleontological community by now, by sort of very wild theories on 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 T Rex effectively being sort of a, not an efficient hunter but a fat oaf, yeah, and the fact that several species of dinosaurs may not in fact exist because they are in fact only evolutional regressions of previous species that we already know, yeah. Like there is no such thing as a as a species called Nanotyrannus, which is which is not in fact. And uh, its own species, and just in fact a juvenile version of a T Rex, you know, just like that. Um, Jack Horner has been sort of shunned from the paleological community due to his views, but at the time he was, at the time he was considered somewhat accurate. So, as Horner complained that it was flicking tongs on a raptor was implausible, but what they did was uh, Winston's department created fully detailed models of the dinosaurs while moulding sort of latex skins and suits and stuff over it, over complex robotics. And while Tippett created um, stop motion stop motion animations for the raptors and the Tyrannosaurus, um, there was attempts to um, ILM Industrial Light and Magic, as you know, the creation of yes. Star Wars in 1977. ILM was established. ILM animators um, Mark Dippy and Steve Williams um, were actually hired to put motion blur on the uh, on the 
on on the stop motion dinosaurs so they look more realistic yeah right? and to cover sort of the jankiness of the stop motion right but then they were told explicitly do not create a cgi model of these animals yeah right do not create a cgi model of the dinosaurs even though they both knew it would work better but so what they did was they, they made a computer model instead they did it anyway and they made a computer generated walk cycle for the tyrannosaurus skeleton and for these other flesh on top and whatnot um and then and then uh, Kathleen Kennedy was walking by one day and they sort of set up this this animatic running and she saw it and saw it. she thought, hold on, we can use this. This looks much better than our stop motion. Um, and then and then um, Spielberg came around and he loved it. He saw the CGI and he wanted to use it because uh, it looked, you know, real and, and it moved and there was things they could do with it. And it looked much better than the this janky sort of stop motion. And this was film was mostly known as the death of stop motion in film, okay. you know, in replacement of CGI. Yes. So, they saw an animatic of Spielberg and um, Phil Tippett saw an animatic of the T Rex chasing the herd of Gallimimus in animation in CGI. And Spielberg famously said, um, "You're out of a job." To which Tippett replied, uh, "Don't you mean extinct?" <laughs> and that was sort of known as the line of, of the hold on, like you know, we've you've only put us all out of business. You yeah. Know, put the whole thing out of business. So. And Spielberg later actually put this dialogue into the script in a conversation between Ian Malcolm and Alan Grant, so, which is I thought was quite funny. But even though no no stop motion was used, Tippett and his animators were still hired by the production just to to supervise the dinosaurs' movement and act for a consultant on like dinosaur anatomy and yes. how they'd move in the stop motion was similar to how they actually moved in the scenes. So, and even though most of his stop motion animators were retrained as computer animators, instead of work with stop motion to said work with the anim- work with the CGI dinosaurs right. so and then most of his storyboards that he made for stop motion were still used as detailing for the uh, detailing for the uh, the production and the movements of the dinosaurs themselves so and then ILM's artists were actually taken on a lot of private tours of local animal parks for you know rhinos elephants alligators giraffes birds yeah. just to see how they'd move and how the large animals would would move around so they'd know how to, to they know how to what to look at. Right. It makes sense. And Universal paid Crichton a further Michael Crichton a further five hundred thousand dollars to adapt his own novel into a screenplay. Right? Okay. Um, which he had finished by the time Spielberg um, was filming Hook at the time. Nice. So Crichton noted that because the book was fairly long, his script had to be about ten to twenty percent of the novel's content. So scenes were dropped for budgetary and practical reasons. Yeah. And you know a lot of the violence was toned down. So, and there's a script rewrite in 1991 over a five-month period, um, and actually managed to merge some of the characters together because some of the characters are vastly different in the book, so they've had to change them and, and make them a bit more tolerable for the film, the films. Right. So, they and several scenes were actually moved into the sequel. Two scenes from the book were were explicitly moved. One of the scenes with a Compsognathus, if you know what that is, it's a little, it's a little tiny little dinosaur that runs around on two legs. And has little, yeah. They go around in gangs. So there was a Consognathus sequence at the start about them attacking um, a young child who who go on who goes to his Nublar. That was moved to the sequel, and that was the opening scene of the Lost World. And then there was um, a scene where um, Alan Grant and the kids are chased down a river by the T Rex, and that was removed as well. And and they said it was sort of replaced with the jeep chase instead. So, I mean, that's still a pretty good sequence. Yes. Yes. It was still a pretty good sequence. And the film itself is 
absolutely fantastic. The amount of creative marvels they did, yeah, and the amount of um, managing stuff they managed to create and all the sets and all the CGI models and the fact it was, the fact why Jurassic Park is praised so well for its use of practical and CGI is the fact they blend it together. The fact that the are from from far away the, the T Rex is CGI, but when it gets up close to the to the Jeep at the start and the eye goes small and it moves its head and you see it sort of rearing up over the because they made the entire T Rex like chest. Yeah. They made leg, the head, the big bull head, and and the huge sort of the huge chest of it, right, and the big body, um, and it was sort of moved around. And the fact they were using rain and real rain would mean that it is sort of jutter. It'd be like it'd malfunction sometimes, and its head would sort of it'd sort of move. Move unnaturally, which I thought was work because it made it a lot scarier. I do remember hearing about I can't remember where I heard it. It was somewhere about the fact that um, I think people were talking about Jurassic Park, and said that the one job they did not want was the guy who had to essentially go and fix that animatronic yeah. because he would have to like go inside it and dry it off or clean yeah, it. Yeah, they were like they were like whacking it with towels. I saw yeah, like, scenes they were like trying to clean it off with towels and dry it. Because obviously there's that there's that one scene where like it's in the rain. Yeah, and it would just get covered and it would just because obviously it's all metal and it's, it's like a, it's, metal, it's electronics. It's, all, you know, and, it's only covered by like you know yeah, uh, latex and skin and stuff like that. And due to the rain, it had a malfunction. Um, Kathleen Kennedy was even quoted as saying that the T Rex often would go into the heebie-jeebies sometimes. <laughs> It'd scare the crap out of us because they'd be like in lunch, and all of a sudden the T Rex would just come alive and start yeah. shaking and 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 moving around. And at first we didn't know what was happening, and suddenly we realised it was the rain. So you know you'd hear people start screaming because from the other room because the T Rex is having a seizure. I mean it's it's also early on I guess for yeah, that sort yeah. of stuff. This is at least in most people's heads, or at least when it comes to film, the first time you have that massive animatronic, animatronic on that kind of scale on the set. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, what happened was when the audience first sees around the one hour three minute mark, yeah. in that very famous scene where the audience first sees the T Rex come out of the fence, Steven Spielberg wanted it shot from inside the the SUV, is from inside the, the Jeep, so you could feel like you're experiencing it right with the characters. Yeah, and feeling their fear when they come when the Lex and Tim are inside the car and the head comes down and it's moving slowly towards the way of the car, and that's like oh, it's, the tension. You feel a pin drop, and even like the water down to the, the water. You know, I'm doing it with a little bottle right now. You can sort of <laughs> see the little ripples. It's like when the big, when it's stomping. Do you want your ginger bag? No, I don't want the ginger bag. And, <laughs> and even those details are great. Even down to the detail of, again, like the way the eye gets small and stuff yeah. like that. And, and the raptors, the fact they sort of have a spat with each other often. They'll like sort of go after each other a bit and they go, right, okay, we're on the same side. You know, we're both raptors. So a fun detail is that the main Velociraptor in this one, the one that Robert Muldoon calls him the big one, doesn't actually kill or eat anybody. Oh. It only kills people for fun. Oh. He doesn't actually actually eat anyone. So it's only like ordering other raptors to do it instead. <laughs> Great. So, yes, and it's obviously... Um, and apparently, as a statistic here, it says only 11% of the film is dedicated to dinosaur scenes. You know what? In some weird way, that does not surprise me. Yes, and despite his prominent billing, um, actor B.D. Wong was only in two minutes of this film. Nice. And he's the only person to to reprise his role in Jurassic World and and come back for that Jurassic World 2015. And however, B.D. Wong and Jeff Goldblum both reprised their world role for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yes. But everyone is back in this. Everyone is back in Dominion. Yeah. The whole in, in, uh, original cast are back and including uh, B.D. Wong's role, who plays Dr. Henry Wu. Who is the lead scientist at uh, Isla Nublar? Yes. Oh well, yeah. At least everyone who 
I th- I've not seen. Um, I didn't know much about Dominion either. Oh right, okay. Well, um, have you seen any of the Jurassic Worlds? Yes, I've seen all of them. Okay, I've seen every Jurassic film. Every so, Jurassic film. Every Jurassic film. Jurassic every Park, film about the Jurassic, Jurassic Park, period. One, Jurassic Park t- <laughs> two, Jurassic Park three, Jurassic World, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and Jurassic World Dominion. Well, nice. I'm going to see Jurassic World Dominion. So there's that as well, and there was of course a lot of references to. Um, so other films by the actors, like uh, Jeff Goldblum says, Roscoe Faster, while yeah. being chased by the T-Rex, which is the same line on Independence Day, which is in 1996. Um, and there's the late, great Richard Attenborough. Correct. Who could forget as uh, John Hammond, yeah. who really plays it like, you know, he's just a warm man. He's just a happy man who wants to make this wonderful park for everybody. And then everything goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Initially, he was described by Michael Crichton as like a dark Walt Disney. <laughs> but they sort of turned it up into like him being like, you know, sort of a, a fatherly figure and more of like someone who wants to create more of like the greatest showman. Yeah. Like um, uh, someone who wants to bring bring dinosaurs to the to the masses. This film, which I always overlook, but I always go back to now when yeah. I was a kid, is the scene where they're on, they're looking at like a slideshow and they're all having dinner and sat on the table. And they have a really deep discussion about the plants of how the plants are different and they could affect the dinosaurs, the whole chaos theory that Ian Malcolm is talking about. And and then he says that, you know, dinosaurs weren't eradicated by um, the building of a dam or by deforestation. They were taken out by a meteor and that's like it's over for them. Yeah. And they're not coming back and should we bring them back? Because... Um, Richard Ashton's character, John Hammond, says, well, I, if I made, like, a flock of extinct birds on this island, you wouldn't be saying anything. And he said, well, you know, these aren't, they aren't dinosaurs. Yeah. And had, they had their shot to carry on, and they were and they were removed. So there we go. And that was... Um, and that was a great scene. I always go back to that scene, actually. Even though when I was a kid, obviously, what you want to do is <laughs> you, you want to watch the dinosaurs. So yeah. You go, oh, I skip that scene. It's boring. People are talking. Yeah. You know, I want to see a dinosaur. I want. I want the big. I want a big T Rex. Yeah, you want the big T Rex. I want a big T Rex. So you want the big T Rex. You want the Velociraptors. Who exactly. Actually, aren't Velociraptors? No, because Velociraptors have feathers, don't they? Feathers, and they're much smaller. They're about the size of a yeah. turkey. <laughs> they're not as big as you know, towering over a man like these are. Yeah. These are more closely related to uh, Deinonychus and Utahraptor. Yeah. But however, Utahraptor. Um, was actually discovered right before the film's release. Yeah, that's an unfortunate so, and it, timing. And it had the snow, and it had similar height to these raptors. So, and it's funny because Stan Winston joked that um, they made it sort of in the image of Utahraptor before Utahraptor was actually discovered. Yeah, which was funny because they made it and then they discovered it, and it still boggles the mind of many involved. <laughs> so, and then um, even though I feel like there's a great video as well, there's a great um, YouTube video about the discovery of Utahraptor and. How that was sort of, and it was in um, the Hell's, I think the Hell's Creek Formation yeah. in Utah, which is one of the biggest sort of famous um, dinosaur discovery sites in the entire world. So, and several, um, and several years after the film uh, was actually released, there was discovered due to fossil impressions that Velociraptors were actually feathered. Yep. So implying that sort of Alan Grant was right the whole time that they shared common ancestors with birds. Yes. Uh, more than lizards. So. And even though they say that the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park do look dissimilar, they explain that by saying the ge- the genetic structure wasn't entirely pure. They had to fill it in with stuff. And yeah. they mentioned filling it in with frogs. And Alan Grant says that um, certain West African frogs can actually change sex from from 
female to male or male to female in a single sex environment. Yes. Because they were all girls. Yes. So all the dinosaurs were all girls, so they could neuter them. So, um, or to dig out their eggs so they couldn't, so they couldn't breed. Yes. Um, however, they managed to change sex because they were all around each other and they were with frog, frog DNA. Yeah. So that's what happened as well. And that's, again, the explanation behind, behind Indominus Rex from Jurassic World. The fact that they filled in the genes to make this sort of hybrid dinosaur. Uh, and even though the action in this film, let's talk about, let's actually talk about the action. Okay. Let's talk about the Dilophosaurus. You like a Dilophosaurus? <laughs> Which one's the Dilophosaurus? That's the one with the big frill. Yeah, oops. Oh, the weird, like, the... Yes. That's the yeah, best way I can... The yeah, that's yeah. how... That's how just that. You yeah, know. that one. Uh, <laughs> even though in real life, it doesn't have the frill. It just has the crest. Okay. And they sort of took the frill as a creative liberty. And ah. the, the frill has become so iconic yeah. that it is now turned up another media, including supposedly accurate media, where the frill does not actually... <laughs> the frill does not, does not exist on this dinosaur. Yeah, see, I, I know what it looks like without it. Yes. Yeah. There and the spitting and the, the ability to spit venom was actually made up by Michael Crichton. Okay. So it didn't actually do that either. So. And it's mistakenly thought that in the tw- in the 20th century, scientists mistakenly thought that Dilophosaurus had sort of weak jaws due to the animal's sort of incomplete, very distorted, sort of badly reconstructed fossil skull. Yeah. And many have thought that it wouldn't have killed its prey with its jaws. Right. Okay. And it, and there was a lot of theories that it. Um, he sort of took the theory of spitting venom from like snakes and sort of gila monsters and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. Yeah, it's then it uses venom to hunt. So It makes sense, I guess, kind of. And then people believe that dinosaurs would actually behave a lot differently than they would have done if you're studying their bones. Yeah. So, obviously, they wouldn't have known, they wouldn't have known how it would have hunted. So. That is true. Yeah. Around 31 minutes into this film, it's Jeff Goblin's favourite line, which is, <laughs> Life uh, finds a way. I like how you have it up as a fact. There we go. I'm just dropping facts. I'll just drop facts about this film. But you know who's the un the unresolved hero of this whole thing? Wayne Knight. This whole film. It is Wayne Knight. Yep. It is Dennis <laughs> Nedry, Wayne Knight. Because he's just he's just a guy who wants his money. Yeah. He just wants to get paid. And what happened was at the start of this film, InGen, who was Hammond's company, yep. there was a bidding war over lead programmer for um for the island of his new bluff for Jurassic Park. And he was—he won that bidding war, but he realised he was effectively thrown in the creek without a paddle. Pretty much, and had too so much to do that he couldn't because all the systems were down. There was no the, the spared no expense. No expense was spared, but apparently a lot of expense had been spared. <laughs> yeah, right. There was um, things were just in, no one was running anything. All the systems were down. It was horrible. He had to do weeks and months of programming to try and get it even even up to decency. Right, but he just got, one day just thought. I don't want to do this anymore, and he wanted to leave and get his, you know some decent pay, some yeah. decent money. So then he fell in with a company called uh, Biosyn, who actually do appear in Dominion, who haven't appeared since. Oh, okay. And negotiate with a person called Do- Dodson, and you know Dodson, we've got Dodson here, <laughs> you know, and he's got the bob, so the spray, the can, yeah. the shaving cream can that turned into the the dinosaur embryo sort of a device, and even though that's not been brought up. We'd, there was plans to actually introduce that in the sequel because you see him sort of fly out of his hand when he's attacked by the Dilophosaurus and it flies into the mud and we don't see where it goes. There was actually plans to reintroduce that in a sequel but that wasn't actually... Um, that never actually came to be. And it was actually recently brought up again in a Netflix series called Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. Oh, okay. They actually reintroduced the uh, the Barbasol can there. Didn't so. even know that was a thing. Yeah, it's, it's meant to be sort of a prequel to Jurassic World or something like that. Oh, okay. Set between 3 and Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. 
Oh. So, fair enough. I think it's about the re-establishing of sort of a place on Isla Nublar and sort of the creation of Jurassic World. Oh, okay. It's an animated show, but, you know. Oh, okay. That's, okay. Now I, th- I think I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's got five, six seasons, something like that. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah, and the Barbasol can does appear again in that. So we do have to know what happened to, what happened to Dennis Nedry. You know, he didn't survive, obviously. No. He was killed by the Dilophosaurus. He so. is indeed. Unfortunately. And another hero of this film, one sung hero of this film, <laughs> is Robert Muldoon. The Bob, I think his, the actor's name is, I want to say his name is Robert Park, Bob Park. Um, Where's Wikipedia? Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where is it? No, Bob Peck, sorry. There you go. Bob Peck. So, you know, very um, famous English actor yeah. for, you know, Edge of Darkness. And um, and he's, he's a guy who, who knows, his, knows his dinosaurs, knows his raptors, and he is, he's going around with his shotgun and his hat. And that look inspired me for years upon end. Really? I was in an, uh, when I was in my amateur theatre group a few, um, a long time ago, more than 10 years ago when I was a kid, um, we did, a st- we did um, something, about, something about a circus or whatever. Okay. Right? <laughs> we did like a play about a circus and I was the, and I was the elephant trainer. And I based my look off Bob Beck <laughs> in Jurassic Park. I had like the khaki shorts, I had the khaki shorts, I had the white shirt and the vest and the, and the, and the camouflage like hat with the thing on the side and I had like a rifle and I was like and I did his sort of voice and I was like clever girl mm. so that was me I based my look off Robert Muldoon great so because I thought he was the coolest character <laughs> I thought he was the coolest character he was, like, he was like the action man going around with the guns and stuff and I was like I want to be him yeah so, I, I guess so going around with this double barrel shotgun you know <laughs> And I really like, and that scene's amazing where he's lining up the the raptor and it's coming through the trees. And he, t- he even talks about it. He says um, at the start when he's talking to Alan Grant, he's talking about how they hunt. They'll have one down as a decoy and they'll come from the side, and it, and it happens to him. So yeah, it's great. And I think he's probably my favorite character. And if not, then it's Ray Arnold. You know Ray Arnold. Uh you'll know him. Fill me in. You'll know him on who Ray Arnold is. Fill me in. Right, just you know, just look him up. I mean, I, I just want to do it now. I'm getting here. Right, okay, look up. Who's Ray Arnold in Jurassic Ray Park? Ray Arnold. Oh, it's, okay. It's friend of the yeah, show. Yeah, I forgot he's in Sizzly this. Sizzly Sam Jackson. I forgot he's in this. There's too many dinosaurs on this island, you know. Get these <laughs> dinosaurs off this island, you know. I forgot about that. <laughs> he's surprisingly subdued yeah. throughout this film. To one point where he just seems to explode into Samuel L. Jackson full mode. Yeah. Right? He's talking about, like, the Lycene contingency or whatever. He's talking about, like, oh, we can't get the dinosaurs off the island because it's, oh, we can't get shut it down or whatever. And he seems very subdued the whole way through. And to one point, he just goes, oh, he's he's messing up the system. I can't deal with all of this, you know. And then he goes off to the... Um, he goes off to the technical bunker and gets his arm ripped off. Yes. And even though Samuel L. Jackson has said that he thinks Ray Arnold's alive, yeah, but... I think Rihanna's is going around with one arm riding raptors. Yeah, but on. Samuel Jackson thinks like all of his characters yeah, are alive. Yeah, I'm alive. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still alive. It's like Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. You know? It's like uh, somehow every single one of his characters are alive. Mace Windu's, Mace Windu's alive. Yeah. You know, it's every one of these Samuel Jackson players is actually <laughs> alive. Somehow survives. You know, yeah, somehow survives. I think Samuel Jackson is, um, I think he's, yeah... It's it's written in his contract. Even if, yeah, I, die, if I die, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not dead. I'm alive. You know. 
and I cannot I cannot die on screen. I must no, exactly. Even though yeah. So it was. It wasn't Deep Blue Sea. It was the negotiator. There you go. 1998. Well, Samuel, I know Keith, uh, Kevin Spacey is on the radio, and Samuel Jackson goes, "I'm still alive." <laughs> so, I like that. Yeah, we were big fans of Sam Jackson here. Correct. Big fans of Sam Jack. Who? What do we call him? Sizzly Sam. Sizzly Sam. Sizzling Sam Jackson, because he's filled with a lot of sizzle. Yes. Right. Do you know where that started? I don't think I know where that started. Uh, it started because we were talking about Shaft. Yeah. And you read a review saying a the, review film, the saying film, film lacks sizzle. Lacks sizzle. And we thought it couldn't have been Samuel L. Jackson's yeah. shaft in 2000. Yeah, because Samuel L. Jackson's full got, of sizzle. He's full, full of sizzle. Exactly. And there's nobody quite like sizzling S- Sam Jackson. Exactly. Or sizzly Sam Jackson. So we know we know he's full of sizzle. So, And he is full of sizzle in this as well. <laughs> Very much full of sizzle. You know, he's quite a subdued, but you know, great cigarette acting. Yes. You know... He's doing it. He's putting it in his mouth. He's moving it here. He's he's doing it there. You know, a lot of good cigarette acting from from Sam Jackson there. And it turns out there's actually an action figure of of uh, Ray Arnold where his arm is removable. So there you go. You can recreate the famous scene where nice where Ellie Sattler gets into the bunker and she's got the arm. She's like, oh oh. Mr. Arnold, it's you, and she turns around. It's ah, oh, it's just his armor. <laughs> yes. and, and then the raptor jumps through the door. And she has to run, and she runs like this. Yeah, a lot of arm movement, you know, with Laura Dern. So, and I was watching an interview okay. about this with the original cast. Interesting. With um, Jeff Goldblum. Was it like a reunion thing, or was it just an it interview? It was from Vanity Fair, I believe. It was to do with Dominion. Okay. And it was. Uh, Ellie Sattler, Laura Dern, and uh, Sam... I'd about, about to call him... It's Sam Neill. Yeah, I'd about to call him Sam Grant there. <laughs> Sam Neill, actually, yeah. um, was there as well. And they were talking about playing their characters in the new film and also the actual creation of 1993. Jurassic Park. And I felt like it was a lot like... I'm gonna, I know I compare everything to Star Wars. Yeah. It's a lot like 1977 Star Wars, I felt like that. These were all very unknown actors. Obviously, Jeff Goldblum had done The Fly and yes. stuff. And... Even though, but Sam Neill and Laura Dern were sort of very unknown. Sam Neill was Australian, New Zealand, I'm going to think he is. Yeah. Um, actor, and and he came in to do this, and... Uh, yes, he is New Zealand, sorry. Yeah. Um, he is an, a New Zealander, a Kiwi. So, he was unknown before doing this. He um, done a few small roles, and so was Laura Dern. Yeah. And they had the sort of... The, the recognisable, aged sort of British actor, seemed how Alec Guinness... As Obi Wan, and we have here we have um, uh, great Richard Attenborough as uh, as the um, as John Hammond. Correct. And we have Ray Arnold, who is sort of Samuel L. Jackson, another recognisable name in the 1990s, and he's in this as well. And he sort of fills in um, for that sort of actor you saw, you know, go, oh, you look at oh, there's Sam, there's yeah. Sam Jackson, I know him, you know. And Wayne Knight as well was very big as well. I always lo- love Third Rock from the Sun, you know. Um, a big, big Wayne Knight fan. So. And still, uh, this is one of those films that become a real classic. Yes. You know, it, it becomes it becomes a real a real classic. And I said, I'm also I'm also a big fan of the effects and some of the great stuff in this. So, and even and even like Seinfeld. Yes. You know, Wayne Knight from Seinfeld, Newman was a really good. Really, I'm, oh, I'm a big big Wayne Knight fan, but. So we've got um, and the range of the range of dinosaurs. If you actually look at the at the 
Wikipedia article for this film, which okay. I've sort of been perusing as we've been talking about this. Yes. We've got... Um, there's a section here called Dinosaurs on Screen. I have it up now. And see also Dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. So Nice. There's a list of everyone that appears on this one. There is an Alamosaurus, which is a... Uh, type of, that's one of the two skeletons in, okay. the, in the visitor center with the T-Rex. It is a, a sauropod, which is the big long-necked ones. Yeah. Brachiosaurus, very famous... Uh, very famous long-necked dinosaurs. They actually used whale songs and donkey calls to give them their melodic sense of wonder. Nice. So there we go. Dilophosaurus, of course, appears in this, uh, as well as Gallimimus or Gallimimus, yeah. whichever you want to call it. I knew Ornithomimus, which is a which is a relative of Gallimimus. <laughs> I knew that from Nigel Marvin's uh, Nigel Marvin's prehistoric park. Nice. No relation to Jurassic Park. <laughs> no, definitely not. Then Parasaurolophus. Appears for only one scene in the background of when you know when they look when Alan Grant is looking to the herd and he goes they move in herds yeah they do move in herds like that which I always thought was a bit of a dumb line but okay. yeah that the the, the, the are seen in a herd moving towards the water with the brachiosaurus <laughs> when they look out over the over the vast vista and it goes da, 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 like that you nice know? butchering of I, the exactly theme, I, yeah i almost did that on purpose <laughs> then triceratops yeah has a what's called an extended cameo where he's like he's a, like he's a supporting actor. i was gonna say we're talking like um, with the real people yeah yeah <laughs> um triceratops as triceratops yeah. as himself um it's that very famous picture where um steven spielberg is sitting next to the animatronic yeah and they put and they people say like it's uh, like he's a dentist next to you know all that shot lion kind of thing yeah. everyone's like oh what a horrible man he shot this innocent animal it's like it's a, it's a dinosaur yeah it's fake he's Steven Spielberg you know and apparently his appearance was a it was a logistical nightmare for Stan Winston um, yeah. because the model was operated by eight puppeteers on the set and it was the first dinosaur that was filmed in production and they okay. also created a baby triceratops for the same scene but it was um, it was actually cut for this, from, from the film so, and the and you know what? Who was uh, who was played the Triceratops? Uh, a guy called Gary Ridstrom, who works for Skywalker Sound for ILM. He actually him, the sound of himself breathing through a cardboard tube with cows nearby. <laughs> okay. So sure. There you go. It's one way of doing it. Exactly to create the vocals for the Triceratops. Then we have the T Rex, of course, the Tyrannosaurus, acknowledged by Steven Spielberg as the real star of the film. Yeah. So. And in fact, there was the whole film was rewritten for the T Rex just so he could appear at the end, because out of nowhere, because he just had a, he just activated his stealth feature. Yes. He activated his cloaking device. Yeah. So you couldn't see him or hear him when he was coming in. Exactly. So, and even though people have said like maybe like the T Rex was like had DNA blood with the chameleon, so he could sort of he could sort of disguise himself and you wouldn't know when he was because you can't hear him coming. Yeah. The raptors are about to attack. The fact that Grant and Sattler and the kids, right? And the T-Rex just swoops in out of nowhere. It's massive. <laughs> and, and bites one of the raptors. And you go, well, where did he come from? Didn't you hear him coming in? Didn't you see him? You know? But okay. It's fine. Um, yes. And the the animatronic of the T-Rex was, in fact, 6 metres, uh, 20 feet tall and over 17,000 pounds. Jeez. So that's like 7,000 uh, 7, kg. Yeah. 7,000 kg, I think. And 12 meters or 40 feet long, right? And Jack Corner said it's the closest thing I've ever seen to being near a live dinosaur. I mean, yeah. So it was in fact it was massive, you know. It, it had 
uh, there was disagreements on its running capabilities and whether, you know, um, Steve Williams, an animator, said he started to throw physics out the window and create a T-Rex that moved at, you know, 60 miles an hour, even though it had hollow bones, would have busted if it ran that fast. You know, and it's and it's top heavy, so it's, it would have fallen. Yeah, it would have done. And they say they clocked it at thirty miles an hour, which is a more accurate right of how fast it could run. You know, instead of sixty to catch up with this jeep that's going as fast as it can. I mean, that's still pretty darn fast. And then we have the Velociraptors. Yes. Uh, of course, not ultimately based on the actual dinosaurs in question, which no. is simply smaller and feathered. It was shot before Jurassic Park's theatrical release. The Utahraptor was discovered. Of course, it's close to the, the Dinonychus as well, which is another genus of raptor. So, And then the raptors were, of course, played by men in suits and animatronics, and the sound they made were a mix of dolphin screams, walrus bellowing, yes. and geese hissing. Nice. So there you go. Uh, tortoises were involved. Um, there were loads of stuff. An African crane's mating call was involved as well. So a lot of sounds that go into actually creating the, the sounds of these dinosaurs. You wouldn't know how to actually... No. What they sounded like. Well, no. <laughs> so then we have, uh, they're related to the Dromaeosaurids, which is Velociraptor, and of course I mentioned Dinonychus. Yes. So, and then feathered dr- dr- dinosaurs do actually appear. Feathered raptors do appear. They, they're going to appear in Dominion for the Pyroraptor. Yeah. Has feathers. And also um, the Velociraptors, who may actually be Dinonychuses in Jurassic Park 3, have do have feathers on their heads. Fair so, enough. There we go. They eventually were feathered. Yes. And of course the great music. How can we forget the music? Of Jurassic Park, yes, by the great John Williams, correct. The the one of the most famous composers ever, and a great relationship with Steven Spielberg. I mean, I would argue there's only really two composers that are well as big as him. There's him, there's him and his Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, yeah, and that's pretty yeah. much it. It's John Williams, Hans, <laughs> they create the greatest of themes. Yeah, for for Jurassic Park, you know, Jaws, Star Wars, you know, all the greats. Yeah. So, and John Williams again busts it out of the park. Not only with the suspenseful themes of the of the T Rex and the Raptors in the kitchen, but also the grand the Jurassic Park theme itself, replicated many times on this show by yours truly. <laughs> so there we are. And anything else you'd like to mention? It's I mean, it's just a really good film. Yeah, it is. It's really great. We'll it's give it. Should we? We've already reviewed it, so we can't really give it a a rating of itself. But I'm gonna slap a nine. I was gonna go an eight point five. So. Okay. Okay. What a bit lower? Not because you've seen it in a while, or uh, it's it's good, and I, I enjoy it. If you've seen it yesterday, you may have in fact <laughs> given it a higher rating. Yeah, but then, but then, is that a good thing? Because right. I've given it time to settle down. Okay. Okay. See. What well, as I watched it like last week. Yeah. It's like it's like when you go watch like a new Marvel film. It's the best Marvel film, and you leave it like two weeks, and like actually, it was alright. It's okay. Not as good <laughs> yeah. as you know, Iron Man. Yeah. So Iron Man. That's the one you pull out. But the it's bag. the first Marvel film ever. <laughs> it's you not know. the best. John Favreau, I'm, yeah. It was not as good as Avengers Infinity War. Or there you go. Right? That's better. So, okay. Well, that is the first Jurassic Park. Correct. 1993. And w- we may review Dominion eventually. Possibly. around to doing Dominion, even though you say you're not going to watch it. Yes. Well, at least do Jurassic World or we'll do one of the other ones. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Wonder Woman, which is available for Corey to watch. And what is the weekly rec? This so week that we have rated Jurassic. Is it Jurassic Park related? It's not in the Jurassic Park universe. Okay. Um, but it is, however, related to a actor in Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned him before. Uh, I am taking us right back to um, where's he gone? There he is. Right back to one of our favourites. I'm taking us back to Wayne Knight. Okay. Right. Love Wayne Knight. Now. 
I was perusing through his Wikipedia okay. as as we were speaking. I was supposed to be nights Wikipedia. I was like, oh, what films could I could I recommend? I was kind of going through, and I thought, oh, okay, well, you got Space Jam. I recommended Space Jam before. I would have picked Space Jam. Yeah. Already recommended it. Uh, I saw Rat Race, mm-hmm. and I thought that's a great film. Yeah, can't I can't remember if I recommended it either. I've, I watched Rat Race many times. Yes. we had um, we had Rat Race on DVD or something. When yeah, I was a kid, I used to just watch it all the time. I can't remember if I recommended that, and so it was between two Disney films because okay. he appears in two of them. One is a cameo and one is an actual appearance. So I picked mm. up one is actual appearance. So I'm going to recommend Tarzan. Because oh. he's in Tarzan. Okay. Um, her, he has a, a cameo in Hercules as a Demetrius. Right. But he is, is in Tarzan, plays Tantor, the okay. big kind of like red elephant thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tarzan's little buddy that he has. Um, I just have to I recommend Tarzan. It just gives me an excuse to talk about Tarzan. I like Tarzan. Tarzan's a great film. Yes, yes. It's just a really good film. If you're a fan of Disney. For a second, I thought you were going to recommend Toy Story 2 there for a bit. See, I was tempted. Yeah. And then I was tempted to recommend the Toy Story 2 video game. Okay. Because it's in that as well. Um, on the PS1. It's a classic so. PS1 game. And the fact that Wayne Knight looks exactly like <laughs> the character yeah. that, is, that he plays yeah. in the film. He does. Um, so. That is a good point. And also the picture that they've used on his... Uh... What, his Wikipedia? No, no. On oh. the, if you look up his character in Toy Story 2, the picture oh, they've okay. used for the article of Wayne Knight <laughs> just looks like... <laughs> I don't, I can't describe it. You may have to just see it for yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, but that is uh, that is our weekly rate. Would you like to rate Tarzan? Tarzan's really good. Tar- uh, it's it's at least an eight. Right. I love Tarzan. There's one uh, thing I love more than Tarzan. Firm eight. What's that? Um, it's the soundtrack to Tarzan. Okay. Because everyone always goes with Disney and then goes, oh. Uh, I don't know, like Hercules has got the yes. best soundtrack, or um, Lion King. Mm-hmm. Elton John, great. He's got nothing on Phil Collins and Tarzan. I, oh, I do love a bit of Phil Collins. Easy Lover. <laughs> yep. With the guy from Earth, Wind and Fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In your, I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Yeah. Great, amazing songs. Yeah, so I, I, I'd give it I'd give it an 8. I feel like if I give Tarzan 8.5, I might get out of rate for rating Hello Chair. Yeah. I've done English thing, I always do that. For giving uh, Tarzan an 8.5, the same rating as Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park 993, so there you go. I feel like I might get some... I thought, you know what, I'll give it an 8.5. Come at me. Oh, wow. <laughs> Double 8.5. Come at me. My goodness. <laughs> Double 8. I think that's unprecedented to have the same rating as the film we're doing. Uh, yeah, I might I might be put on a stake for saying right, okay. Tarzan's the same well, as Jurassic we'll Park. See how that, we'll see how the backlash rides <laughs> next week, shall we? Um, we're going to throw some more things at you here in June. Uh, yes. Our full review of Obi-Wan Kenobi will be coming out. Correct. We'll look at some very interesting films over the next couple of weeks. So hope you'll get ready for that. But for now, we hope you enjoyed the real show. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And a goodbye from Corey. Goodbye.